<laughs> Welcome to Dr. 3, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth and climbing the standard rank ladder. I'm your host, Daring Alkaline, and along with me are my fellow hosts, Dragon Rider and Major Death. So we're going to roll right along and hit last week's poll question. Mage, you want to hit us with our results? Yes, last week's poll question. I got it out the next morning after the uh, after the, the podcast went live on Wednesday night. I apologize for that. Yeah, no worries. Do that again. I, I will not do that this week. I feel like part of the lack of result responses or votes in this week's poll, poll question is because of that. But we asked, what do you think of the balance changes implemented? And do you think the balance changes implemented in 18.2 were needed? We had nine votes. Thank you to the nine of you that voted. Uh, 44% said yes, but the wrong cards were hit. 33% said yes, the right card, but and the right cards were hit. And 22% said no, it was fine the way it was. So... I don't, being that the results were so close, given that we didn't get that many votes, I don't think we can be have any conclusive results here. Maybe now that we have a week out, we might have some more or stronger opinions on that. But uh, but that that's what we got for last week's poll question. We'll have another one uh, at the end of this episode that I will post on time. And we'd like to uh, have you vote and tell us what you think. See, I feel like the right cards were hit. I just feel like a couple were missed. <laughs> so I'm looking at you, broomstick. <laughs> or mage I, cards. I, or mage I, cards. I, yeah. I still think I still think guardian animals should pull full four cost yeah. minions. Yeah, guardian or less instead of fives because the fives that are available to it right now are just really strong. Or just not give rush like that. Or not give okay rush. Too. Yeah, exactly. Pay seven mana to get ten mana worth of stuff. Well, that's not quite broken enough, so... <laughs> so let them attack right away to be able to control the board and exactly. draw cards or that sort of thing. It's not like there's a cleave beast that can be pulled... Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's not like you're drawing... Oh. 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 <laughs> so, you know, that's there. there are some issues here and there, so... <laughs> All right, we will go ahead and move on to the news for the week. So, week two of the Forbidden Library is live as the time of this recording. So, the Book of Heroes Adventuring featuring Jaina Proudmoore is available. Completing the single-player content awards a free standard mage pack. And Hearthside Chat suggests Rexar Hunter will be next class. And then we have the Scholar Jaina Bundle now available until September 21st. And it is the Scholar Jaina Portrait and five standard mage packs. Um, Did anyone confirm? I know it's out now. So there's no new voice lines, right? That's what I had originally heard. That's correct. It was data mine there wasn't. We talked about that last week. And they confirmed that there is not new voice lines. So it's just a different, it's like a different hero portrait that is Jaina. So if you're, I I don't feel compelled to buy this one because there's no new voice line. So I'm like, eh, probably not then. And the mage packs aren't super interesting to me. So 
It, it's interesting. Uh, ben Hearthstone on Twitter has been pinging uh, the devs all, uh, for most of the morning once this came out, talking about the fact that there was no new voice lines and how much uh, you know he felt there was. In fact, he was doing a poll, I think, asking for feedback on that. Uh, I, I definitely, I think, agree with you that if there were different voice lines available, uh, this would be a lot more interesting to me because I don't necessarily need the the mage packs. But, or, uh, or if it was like ten packs or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, if it was like a dollar a pack or a hero portrait that had new voice lines, like I'd be, I'd be like, yep, sign me up. But for like five packs that are just mage cards um i i don't know this doesn't feel like a great deal to me but hey if you want to collect it it's purely purely uh cosmetic so you know and get some extra cards too so i'm conflicted i kind of want to have access to the the portrait but i don't i it's just i paid full price for like the uh for like the Medivh, the Magni, and uh, oh gosh, I can't. Cadgar. The, the hunt. The oh hunter. no, um, Alira. Alira, Windrunner. Yeah, Alira. I paid the ten dollars for that, and you get a card back and the full portrait with emotes and stuff. So I had no problem paying this for the for for a full portrait. This just doesn't feel like it's that much. I just yeah. I also really like my KT, my Kalthazad. Uh, lich background or portrait and to be fair if i'm going jaina i'm picking fire mage jaina like that's like the coolest one in my opinion so that one is really good too yeah so if the voice lines are without those of us without a thousand wins don't have that option but uh that's fair that's i i apologize i i should check my (laughs) it's 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 totally i totally agree that's one of the best thousand wind portraits there are there is that that uh fire mage chain is great yeah so okay so reports on reddit of a visual bug with armor um and i will link that several posts on reddit since patch 18.2 talk about armor remaining on character despite it not actually being there any longer uh most posts seem to occur after playing galcrond hero card but not all and it was seen on stream during the Master Tour Montreal line match between uh, Cognetta and Dr. D- uh, Drivo. I believe that's how it was pronounced. Yeah, I don't know how that's. I watched. I watched the match, and I was. I was like, they. The. It would think it was. Uh, I know it was Raven, and it might have been. I think it was Raven and Saddle. Was it Frodo? Yeah. Saddle. Okay. Sorry. I. All those, all those games kind of run together, but I, yeah, there's, no, I, I, I saw the clip and and so like yeah the 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 it was a priest opponent played mm-hmm. the Galakron had like eighteen health got five armor and then the warrior opponent played a skipper and the doctor boom mm-hmm. and had all the bombs go off and it exploded several on the face. Yes. Of the priest player. And so the armor went down and got removed. And so extra health went down below it. But the armor remained up there as five armor from the Galakron hero card when it was played. And all the way through to the end of the game. And actually, uh, 
Cognetta, I think, was the one that actually missed Lethal because yes. he had the ability to steal a minion, do three damage, and use the uh, the Galakron hero power that the warrior has to do six damage when uh, you thought they had nine because of the five armor. Yep, um, and because uh, the, his opponent played uh, Mind Render Lucia, so he was able to. I remember that because like. It was it was Saddle that now that you mentioned it because I remember Saddle was just losing his mind. He's like, it's just lethal. <laughs> but yeah, and they did mention that during the 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 broadcast that it was a visual bug, and yeah. that was and a crazy part game. Of that was because the day before there was a match where nobody noticed, and then people on Twitter started bringing it up, mm-hmm. and. They, the players were playing as if the five armor was still there. The casters were casting as if, as if that five armor were were still actually there, the previous day. And then sure. after it got brought up more on like Twitter and and Reddit and everything, then that's when the next day, they they set it on broadcast that hey, this is a thing mm-hmm. that people are aware of now. And yeah, so for it then to happen during a second match during that broadcast and the the series of kind of unfortunate events that panned out that game were pretty, it was pretty bad to, to see that in a competitive game. I felt, I felt pretty bad for those players. Yeah, I've seen it. I do like, I had it happen to me, I think on Friday. I don't remember when it was, but like literally the armor would, would not go away and I didn't think anything of it. Like, it was just there. It was, like, a bit more buggy, but... Anyways, but, yeah. Uh, I had not I had not seen any official mention of, hey, we're aware of this bug, that you should be aware of it, too. Make sure you're watching. Make sure you know that and keeping track. Um, so we just wanted to make sure that all of you that are listening are aware of this and know that and, and watch for it because... Because it definitely does make a difference. Because you you see, there's videos on Reddit of people. I've got three health and five armor, and this person just did you know a fireball to me, and I died. And and it's like, no, you actually didn't have five armor. You lost that armor earlier in the match and didn't realize it. So it can it can it can work against you, and it can work for you in some in some instances. So 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 watch out. Yeah, and the the downside is most of the time it's in a priest match, so <laughs> you've lost track of what everything was, anyways, because it's hour three because he just played Galakron. Um, all right, so then we have a um, so there there is a video example that we'll go ahead and link to in the description. So, and then we have a how to build a great conquest lineup by No Hands Gamer. So it's a great guide on how he approaches building a deck lineup for a conquest format. Discusses evaluating decks you play, lineup strategies, guessing the meta, and putting it all together. Also provide examples from his experience at past events. So, I mean, obviously a GM. So, I mean, he's worked his butt off to get there, so... Obviously, he is, his say is probably a lot better than uh, most, so I would go ahead and read that if you're at all interested in playing tournaments to kind of design what you're going to bring. 
So yeah, it, it it's not direct correlation to what you're doing on ladder necessarily, though a lot of times you're testing decks on ladder and that sort of thing as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's lots of tournament opportunities and different things like that where this might come in handy. So we wanted to make sure that you are aware of it, especially when it comes from somebody uh, grandmaster level like No Hands Gamer. I was going to say, there's Masters Tours qualifiers all the time. Sorry, Don, go ahead. Yeah, no, you're good. I was going to say, and sometimes even if you're not playing tournaments and we are you know, here focused on standard ladder, but sometimes there is kind of crossover. If a deck becomes really popular in a tournament, people will start playing that on ladder as well. So, you know, kind of keeping an eye on both metas can help you on the ladder as well. Very true. Exactly. So, all right. Well, that's news. We didn't have a lot this week, just more on the uh, forbidden library this week so all right so before the show we were like what do we want to talk about and mage was like i i've been playing a lot of face hunter decks and then he had this brilliant idea so you want to go ahead and tell him what our main topic is going to be about all right everyone welcome to my ted talk i uh want to talk about aggro decks because they get a bad rap they get a bad rap because people think they're easy to play. You don't have to have any skill to play them. You just play your cards and you just win the game. End of story. Do doesn't matter. And I'm here to tell you, whether you're a closet aggro player or not, that aggro decks take skill too. And we're going to talk about aggro decks uh, kind of couching this discussion in the Face Hunter deck that's really popular at, since uh, uh, Skullamance Academy has come out, and now especially since Patch 18.2 has come out, as well as the aggro, the, the stealth aggro rogue deck that was really popular and, and is still maybe not quite as popular since the uh, Secret Passage uh, nerf in 18.2, but still a very... Uh, a very powerful deck and 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 can definitely get you wins. So let's talk about the skill. Where where where's the skill? It's it, it starts with deck construction. And I think you really have to think about deck construction when you're playing aggro decks. Every card has to have a purpose and that purpose usually is going to be doing damage. Uh particularly face damage, but a lot of times, you know, it's just uh, you, you can't have tech, you, you probably aren't having a lot of tech cards. You're probably not doing a lot of extraneous things. You're not dabbling into a whole bunch of different, uh, other types of uh, archetypes of that. You're, you're looking for damage. You're looking for ways to, to get on the board and to push damage quickly and efficiently. You're looking for good statted minions for the mana cost you're looking at, and, and just being able to to get on the board and stay on the board is there other construction things that that you that you um there's things i would say like uh secrets in the face hunter deck are interesting because uh you have to balance that those aren't necessarily going to be doing damage uh, to your opponent and they're they're actually kind of a tempo negative when you play them because you're 
playing two mana and not really doing anything. You're not putting a minion on the board. You're not necessarily doing face damage. So though those things though those are like in the face hunter deck the uh, the kind of the most techish sort of things that you're doing and and uh, you know how you how you, which secrets you play kind of depend on what you're seeing in the meta and and what you expect your opponents to be. Explosive Trap is really good if you're facing a lot of other hunters, if you're facing demon hunters, uh, if you're facing aggro rogue, th things like that. Uh, pressure Plate and Freezing Trap become better if you're playing against more druids or you're facing paladins and things like that. So so you really have to think about what cards you're putting in the deck and, and what their purpose is. What do you guys think about uh, deck construction when it comes to aggro decks? Yeah, um, I just also want to mention that there's different kinds of aggro decks, and we've we've kind of seen that over Hearthstone's history. At one point, Zoo, kind of Zoo Warlock, you know, it's an aggro deck in most regards, but there's been multiple variants of Zoo Warlock. Uh, you've had things like Token Druid, which didn't necessarily get on board and, and start pushing a ton of damage over the first two, three turns. But the goal of that deck was kind of like you said, it was meant to stick a board and go wide and then kind of finish with a big burst. And then you have, you, know, you also mentioned some different rogue decks. Some of those combo minions with building up big weapons and then hitting with both of those. Hunter, uh, there's even been some fairly aggressive mage decks kind of in the past that also combo, like you mentioned, with secrets. So there's a variety of aggro decks as well. It's not all just slam minion hit face. Like there's a <laughs> lot that goes into it. Also, I, I'd like to point out too, like... You mentioned secrets, but right now in the meta, like the uh, the secrets can be tempo positive and very efficient due to Phase Stalker and Tour Guide. Just yeah. all of a sudden, I spent three mana. I did two damage to your face. I put a one one and a two three on the board. Put up a secret. Like that's a lot of tempo for for that. And that's I think I mean. I don't know how many secrets would still be ran at this moment in time with um, Face Hunter if it wasn't for Face Stalker, but Face Stalker does a lot of work for aggressive decks because it supports what you want to do, and Freezing Trap and Explosive Trap are both, and Pressure Plate are both, are all three of them are very good tempo tools that keep your minions on the board. And, you know, deal damage to your opponent, maybe not directly, but if your 2-4 survives, then it gets to hit face again as opposed to dying and not, so. Yes, that, that's, that's, that's very true. And, and Face Stalker being really, really key to the Face Hunter deck, because removing, being able to play a secret for free, even though you don't necessarily control which secret it is, you may based on deck construction uh, and when you actually play the face, the face stalker itself, uh, it, it, the, the disruption that those secrets cause, I think is part of, yeah, that's part of the, the, what you're hoping to get out of those in addition to potentially some damage uh, from your minion, being able to keep going face or, or the opponent having to um, 
replay a minion or something like that, that sort of thing. So, yeah, so deck construction definitely matters. Uh, the second thing I would say is mulligan is very key when it comes to aggro decks. You, you obviously need to know uh, with regards to uh, your deck, which are your best turn one plays, what are your best turn two plays, what are your best turn three plays, because you're probably not going, you're, while you have a, a, a fair amount of redundancy, the, you ideally want to have those ideal sort of plays or, or how they mix and match together, uh, you know, allows you to potentially push more damage than you have if you have a less efficient one, two, three combination. Uh, and there's definitely, like in the Face Hunter deck, you talked about Tour Guide. Tour Guide pairs really well with the with the phase stalker so if you have a phase stalker keeping a tour guide so you can get the secret up immediately on turn two suddenly looks a lot more appealing otherwise you know i i look at the the initiant um the intrepid initiant is a really good turn one play especially when you're on the coin because you have the ability to get that spell burst and immediately make it a three two and, and it allows you to uh give your opponent immediately something to an that they have to think about answering. Whereas something like uh, Toxic Reinforcements, which was a staple in previous iterations of Face Hunter, now you don't want to play that early. Um, you want to play that more in the more starting around turn four or later, and you're using it when you're weaving in the hero powers so that you can use it as that final over-the-top damage to potentially get lethal. Your, your best plays are going to be getting these minions down like the Intrepid Initiant, the, uh, the, the Dwarven Sharpshooter, the, the demon, uh, de demon Companion, those sorts of things. Getting those on the boards, getting your Phase Stalkers on the board, that sort of thing. Setting up maybe uh, an Eagle Horn Bow or, you know, once you get to the point where you're in the mid game, you want to set it up uh, so that you have less cards in your hands so that you can... Uh, leverage the vicious uh, voracious readers so there's there's lots of things to think about and there's definitely points that can be gained or lost just by how you're mulliganing with an aggro deck i just i just want to interject real quick and point out that i was extremely right about the demon companion in our set review everyone else was very mild on it and i was like this is going to be I think I gave it a four. Well, it may not be a four, but it is definitely a three. Like, it is definitely in the majority of... It makes it into a lot of Demon Hunter decks, and it makes it into almost every Hunter deck. So, I was right about that. <laughs> I was also, I also like to gloat about high uh, uh, Abscess Allura being trash and Priest. No, and they was like, "Oh, it's gonna be great, Priest." I'm like, "No, one trash." So there we go. Sorry, I I just remember I was thinking about that today. So <laughs> just to remind you all, that, that... <laughs> you've not seen her in Priest, have you? No, except no, when it, no, when it's no. uh, generated off uh, Galakrond. So <laughs> okay, sorry, I I, I uh, I'm getting off my soapbox and box, and you may continue. <laughs> Sure. And, and I mean, you know, again, the mulligan makes a huge difference with some of the other aggro decks that the Dragon Rider was talking about earlier. Zoo, obviously, there were some really powerful turn one plays like Flame Imp that you were you wanted to have right away because it can contest pretty much anything your opponent 
does play and you do in the early turns do want to make some value trades while also trying to set up boards that can potentially push when you're playing the like the spell token uh uh druid you're always trying to find that those ramp cards the fungal fungal fortunes and like uh some of the some of the ramp cards that would allow you to then create the big boards uh with the glow swarm and things like that so yeah, it, it it all depends on what aggro deck you're playing, and then where what your uh, what you'd be looking for, and you want to make sure that even though it looks like you've got a curve, there's probably when it comes to an aggro deck an ideal curve, and and trying to find those cards or trying to set up those cards as best you can. And I would assume that there is an ideal mulligan and that changes for each of your matchup. Like there's probably the best case mulligan where it's like all these cards, this is ideally what I want to do. But that might not be the case if you're playing against priest or someone with an early like if you well specifically priest like, oh, I'm worried about Breath of the Infinite on turn two if they have the coin. Maybe I keep this adorable infestation or I use my um, uh, Scavenger's Ingenuity to get 3-3 uh, three, three Wampletangers, you know. So, like, that's something, too, to keep in mind is, like, what does my opponent want to do? What are they wanting to do on the turns I'm doing my stuff? So, like, there is a lot of thought going into your mulligan because that you have a lot less time to make your game plan happen. And um, if it goes off the rails, then there's not, there's not a lot of uh, coming back when you're, when you're running an aggro deck. Yep. Definitely. Even with aggro, uh, a lot of people still typically think, Oh, I need to find my one, two, three, or if I, you know, I need to find a couple of ones, but yes, against, aggro versus control when you are facing against them you still can mulligan differently depending on what you're seeing uh things like i'm going to give some examples from uh, aggro demon hunter and against another aggro deck you actually might want to keep something like uh twin slice because if you can use your face there to take out their minion and you keep the board in an aggro matchup where they are not running a lot of spells that wipe your board. They are also running a lot of minions. That game is much more board focused and you keeping minions will help you win the game. Now against something like priest, you may not want to be keeping something like twin slice or uh, yeah, twin slice. Like why are you wanting to hit them for two in the face with that? And then they're just going to heal that. You want to wait until later in the game and combo that with your weapon or use that on a turn that you can also play that out and use a, a glaive bound adept or something like that to to get a little bit further or use that on a weapon to get through a taunt and then send your minions face uh, but there there are different mulligan choices that you can make even with aggro decks no uh, the match matchup specific mulligans definitely is is huge uh particularly in priest matchups because yeah there's the the value that you aggro decks typically and i say this typically they don't have as much value 
associated with them the the card generation that sort of thing they they just don't have a lot of that so the value that you do have you need to maximize in a matchup like against priest or against warrior when they have the ability to armor up or or heal uh and, and you need to set up your your uh your your turns so that you can you can maximize the value you have and while still trying to 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 potentially push some damage to force them to use the tools that they have as inefficiently as possible so that that extra value that you are able to get is enough to help you finish the game. Yeah, and them using their hero power is generally an inefficient way to use their mana and control deck strive on efficiently using their mana, you know, maybe they have they have tools to help them get to their their win condition wherever it is in the point in the game and they don't have everything like if you're playing against a turtle mage they like you know something that is going for they have a specific turn they want to see on turn 8 and everything they do before that is them building up to that turn if you're making them ping and forcing them to clean up your board um, like that, you're in a good position. You're forcing them to do things they don't want to do to stay alive. And if they're staying alive, they're staving off the inevitable. So that's kind of one of the things you have to keep in mind is try to make your opponent... You're trying to make your opponent off their game plan by doing your game plan so you how how can i make this board just sticky enough that they have to waste their turn doing something but i'm still furthering my game plan so like that's something to keep in mind that you know that hero power sure is annoying but it's not an efficient use of their mana like healing you know the uh, priest can spend two mana to heal themselves but they can spend one mana to get uh you know a heal and another spell like, there's other better, more efficient uses. Or they could spend four mana and do heal themselves for two and do two da damage to the rest of the board, you know, with Holy Nova. So, like, there's better there's better things for them to spend their mana on. They'd rather be spending it on clearing your stuff or doing something to you. But if you put them in the position where they have to heal themselves, then, like, all of a sudden you're you're doing well. Yeah, I think one example of that that uh, I was a, an advocate for, especially if you're playing even a slightly more aggressive deck, you could do it with mid-range, but uh, back when Quest Priest was really popular, uh, there was a lot of people who were kind of advocating for just stall the game, don't do any damage to them the first handful of turns, you know, and then kind of build up and do a whole bunch all at once. But I, I was just you know, a proponent for just smack him in the face, smack him in the face, smack him in the face, because exactly what you said. Well, now they're having to choose on like turn four, turn five, turn six. Do I play a spell that costs four, five, six, or do I heal now? Maybe I spend one mana and try to remove one thing and do my hero power and heal. And they're having to choose which route they want to go. And it is not effective for them. So, especially when you are playing just those aggro decks, yeah, just be aggressive like that. Force them to make those decisions where they can't deal with all of it from all angles. 
Yeah, and I think this is where a lot of the thought of an aggro deck comes in. Like, sometimes you don't have a lot of control over it. Sometimes you don't draw well. Sometimes you're mulligan. You do the right things, but it just doesn't come up your way. And welcome to card games. It's going to happen. It's just it's just a fact of life. But it's the fact that you're 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 making plays that, like, maybe I shouldn't load my board up uh, with a bunch of two health minions or, you know, going into turn three when I'm playing against Priest or I'm playing against Warrior. Maybe I shouldn't have a board of identical health minions going into turn three. You know, the things like that, changing little things are like, like, oh, it's turn three. I'm going to put out this... Um, this uh, tour guide because he only has one health and my opponent does have a weapon up so he can't you know blade storm my board of three threes you know so it's just it's like knowing your knowing your opponent's deck and the the way they play in that in aggro matchups are super important for you to make good solid play no i definitely would agree with that as well uh, one of the things that I had the most difficult time with when it came to aggro decks is knowing when to trade or not wasting damage. A lot of the times I would trade more than I needed to um, it, and would end up wasting damage. And that damage over the course of, of the game can really add up. And it can definitely, when you have a deck that has less value in it than say a, a mid-range or more controlling style deck that that matters a lot and and can can be the difference between a win and a loss so knowing when to trade or what you have to trade off uh is is important knowing and that that's going to come from you know what what the board state is and and how much more damage you can get from the remaining minions by making a trade than you would if you didn't make the trade, but also like how in a, in a matchup with say mage and they play a sorceress apprentice, how much more uh, of an advantage to your opponent are you giving them by letting them keep that sorceress apprentice on the board? And so you have to, you have to measure that. Obviously taunt minions, you do kind of have to deal with. And so setting up your board to deal with those, Obviously, that's that's the first thing. Those are the things you're definitely trading. But then, pretty much everything else when it comes to when it comes to a, like the 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 rogue deck and the and the face hunter deck right now is what things do I actually have to trade into? What are the things that are really going to 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 hurt my board? If I'm playing rogue and I see my opponent play Raz Frost Whisperer, I think that's the right name, right? The five mana three six that yep. does damage yep. uh based on spell damage that you have to kill because all your minions are one damage and like the whole point of you having stealth minions with one health is is they can't be interacted with for a turn so you have to kill uh raz when he comes down here i'm not sure gender on that but when that card comes down you have to kill it because you're never going to keep a stealth minion on the board for the rest of the game otherwise so that that's a that's a thing you have to do and sorcerer's apprentice another one of those sorts of things and then as you were talking about dragon rider in the mirror match 
those minions that can snowball a lot of times are the ones that are, are really important to get rid of. The battle fiends, when you're playing Demon Hunter, you don't want their one drop to be able to hit you multiple turns in a row and have it increasingly be more potent. Or when you're playing in the mirror match against another face hunter, you kind of do want to kill their their uh, their phase stalker because that phase stalker allows them to have better draws and allows you to have to deal with those secrets that are being played for free, the, the value that they can get from that. So knowing what damage you have to actually use on minions, knowing what you have to trade with, and then being able to recognize and push everything face, else face, is, is really important. And it's not easy. And it takes practice, specifically with the deck and specifically with the matchup that you're facing, in order for you to really, really kind of get, uh, uh, really get on what you need to do for that particular matchup. Yeah, there's. I I keep going back to priest because it's pretty much the quintessential like uh, control versus. Um, aggro matchup these days like there's i mean there's obviously some other control decks but priest does pretty much and tries to do the exact opposite and just heal for you know great amounts of damage out of nowhere and there's ways you can prevent it and they i mean their biggest tool right now is apotheosis like an apotheosis on an minion that can attack can drag a priest from death's doorstep and putting you in a position to where you can no longer win. So like knowing when you can afford to deal with that and when you can't is super, super important in those matchups. And just like, sometimes you can't avoid it. Sometimes if it's turn five, they can play a wild pyromancer apotheosis and raise dead, you know, and heal for, you know, a lot. They can just, I, heal. I hate those games by the way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I yeah, that's probably how I got to legend, but um So uh yeah, I'm I'm the filthy priest player. Well, right now I'm the filthy turtle mage player. Anyways, it's not what I'm doing. Um it's it's the fact that like setting up those and knowing when you can like trade cuz that's like a big matchup. Like there's a lot of priests on the ladder and knowing when you can knock down the minions like in going to turn two like probably don't have to worry about it but depends on what the minion is is it a sethic veil weaver because that has to die like immediately if not sooner you know um and what what does your board look like what what's in your hand so there's a lot of different and this is why I'm not a great aggro player I don't see the the big aggro picture I get a little bit too um narrowed in on one objective or the other either it's like i'm going all face and just like pretending they don't have cards or i'm trading too much and trying to prevent them from you know having me do the aggressive plan so there is definitely a very fine line between the two so did, did you have anything you wanted to add to that dragon raider um, not really. I think that you guys pretty much covered it. But yeah, it's okay. it's very difficult to to learn, but if you are learning aggro decks or you feel like you want to improve with them in terms of especially with the trading and going face, then 
just play some games and pay attention. Try, you know, try a couple of priest games in a row if you see them or practice with somebody else kind of like we we've talked about in previous episodes, but you know, see if you can just play a couple of games in certain matchups and try like two or three games in a row where you trade a whole bunch and see how it goes. And then play a couple of games where all you do is hit face and you don't hit their minions and see how it goes. And I think the more you do that uh, and see what your opponent is doing, the more you'll realize which minions you do or don't need to to kill. And, you know, the the other thing I will say say to this before we move on to the next one is it's not always the results of the game aren't always going to tell you if you're right or not. Remember that and keep that in mind because things like apotheosis literally are a one card decision maker on the matchup when it comes to a priest versus a face hunter deck and how that card is used. You can, you can carefully maneuver that all you want. And if they end up having that card at the, at the, at the right moment the game is just won or lost and and so uh, i think you you just kind of do your best and and look for look look for i guess signs based on your hand and based on your board on how much it's going to cost you to make this trade versus you know immediately and then over the next couple turns and if it's a and if it makes more sense to just ignore the minion and go face, then that's the, that's the thing you do. And, and it's like, I, I, I used to be one of those people that would always try and play around the really powerful card, but I, in Aerodex, some, you can do that. Sometimes you can do that very early on in the game. A lot of times you can do that, but as you get further and further into the game, a lot of times you just have to go. And if they have the card, they have the card. Zilliax was a great example of a card that just would single-handedly kind of wreck aggro, aggro turn, you know, aggro games. Where if they, uh, I, I think of those like mech hunter get decks where it's like, do you kill the mech to play around Zilliax or do you not? And how much is it going to take for me to do that? And so sometimes you just would say, well, if they have Zilliax, I lose. And you just go face, and then you find out. But don't let the results of the game dictate whether or not you were you were actually right or not. You just look at what you're doing and, and think about how much it's going to take away from the damage in hand or uh, damage output over the next couple of turns, and then just make the, the best play you can. And more... As you get more and more reps with it, I, I, you'll you'll see that if you're making the right decisions, the results will eventually kind of even out, and you'll get you'll you'll see that. Yeah, the results oriented thinking can be a real trap. Um, yeah. You can win games playing poorly. You can play. You can lose games playing to the best of anyone's ability. It's still a card game. There are still, I mean, there's 30 cards in your deck. You draw one at a time. There's no guarantee that anything's going to happen or the combo of your cards are going to come down in the right order while your opponent draws everything and plays awfully, makes all the wrong decisions, makes a bunch of mistakes, and still wins. 
So I'm not saying that's every game. It just can happen. You have to focus on what you can control. You can control your mulligan. You can control what you're doing with your deck, your mana, and how you're playing your cards. And that's what's in your control. So, Okay, next up, let's talk about when to use the refill tools. Now, both of these, the Face Hunter deck, the Aggro Rogue deck, the Aggro Stealth Rogue deck, have refill tools available to them. And when to use those actually is really key because you're potentially, uh, uh, in the case of uh, seek, uh, in the case of Voracious Reader, you have to dick, you have to manipulate your hand in order to get the refill, and so you you need to kind of plan out how you're how you're playing your turns leading up to playing Voracious Reader to get the most value because I'll. If your opponent has the ability to kill Voracious Reader, your opponent's going to kill Voracious Reader. So you're going to get the draw that you get when you play Voracious Reader and probably shouldn't count on too much more beyond that. So figuring out and setting up to how how best to use that. Secret Passage, I think, is while really powerful and seems very straightforward, is actually a really skill-testing card in that it's not a card you want in your opening hand uh you, it's a card that you actually want to pull in the mid game and it's a card that you uh specifically for the the stealth rogue deck you want to use it to either find lethal damage or you want to use it to uh either make uh the cards or set up your the hand that you had before you played secret passage so that it works better for you i use the example of if you have a Greyheart sage in your hand and you play Secret Passage, finding that stealth minion so that then your Secret Passage can draw you cards is really important. Or um, or vice versa, obviously. That makes a lot of sense as, as well. And so it's just setting up and using using those refill tools to the best of the ability. And it's and it's likely not in the first couple turns. And so those those cards usually aren't cards you're going to keep in your opening hand. So you're going to get them. And then it's going to be, when do I use them to get the most value out of them so that I can push the damage that I need to or, or manipulate the boards so that I can set myself up uh, for, for lethal? Yeah, I think sometimes people focus on those draws a little too much. Uh, they, they see that and they see, oh, it's active, I can play it. And another example of that is Skull of Gul'dan uh, with Demon Hunter. Well, you can't necessarily always just play that on six and and call it good because you you want to keep applying pressure if that's what you've been doing if you've been applying pressure and you have the ability to keep doing that keep doing that because they obviously haven't answered it and then you can use that skull later on seven or eight or nine if the game hasn't ended by then to get that last bit that you're looking for to close out the game Definitely. I, I think like sometimes Secret Passage, I, I think people think they need to be able to play uh, or would try to play it when they would be like, oh, I can play like all five cards I draw before it got nerfed. Now it's four cards. But it, yes, that that if you're playing it late enough, that's probably going to happen. But at the same time, it's like uh, set, setting up using using the refill a little bit sooner. If you did that, 
how how much better would your of turds have been leading you know those next two or three turns after that how much more pressure could you have provided or or how much or could you have potentially even finished a game earlier had you had you played the secret passage uh, a little bit sooner or set your board up to to better utilize the resources that you already had yeah it's it's not an easy question to answer so I don't have uh, a lot of experience with. I've played a little bit of Secret Passage, and it's it's definitely a situational thing. So I I, I am not the greatest aggro player. So I, I mean, I feel like listen to these guys; they know what they're talking about more than I do. So I think the biggest thing is just looking at what you need the draw to do. Do you need it to draw extra damage? Do you need it to play a Greyheart Sage for some more draw and you're setting up board in that way as well? Or, I, I mean, again, I'm going to use that, that example. Are you just playing Skull on six because it's glowing and you have six mana and like, <laughs> hey, it's on the edge. And it's a I really powerful it. card, so I should yeah, do that, like, right? <laughs> so, I mean, if it's going yellow, then I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to go with the yellow card. <laughs> but maybe setting up a weapon, and this is getting into the next point... Uh, that Mage will bring up here in just one moment, but what... that That's the question I'm just gonna... If you're playing game, and you have some draw potential, ask yourself, what do I want this draw to do for me? I, I think about previously the, the card that I would... I, I would routinely think about that a lot with was tracking for Hunter. I want oh, yeah. a specific... Oh, yeah. I, I want to be looking for something, I, and a I have a specific card or cards in mind when I play tracking. So if I get that, I know exactly when I see it, that that's what I want, but also it's just like, it, it just kind of then doesn't matter what those other cards were. Right. Because it's like, this is the thing I needed. So it doesn't really matter what those other things were. So I just want to point about, out with tracking too. There is yeah. for those who don't know, tracking actually says, look at the top three cards of your deck. Did you know that? I did not realize it said that. I thought it just yeah. said, look at three I've, cards. I've been playing for six and a half years tracking. It's been <laughs> in the game. I just learned this on stream the other day. I was like, what? Wait, yes. are, are you, is that is that a real thing? You guys didn't yes. know that? I, like, I did not, I did not be, realize that it was because, necessarily the next three cards. Yeah, and, and the reason why that most people didn't actually realize that is because our decks have always just been in a random order. So when you mm -hmm. get those three cards, it just looks like three random cards. But because of Paul Kelt, that has changed that. If you have played Paul Kelt and then play tracking, those next three cards are your top three highest costing cards. It will be those exact three cards. Not random. Who knew? Reading cards I, is important. No, I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize that either. So. Yeah. Oh, I... I... I'm not. I'm not trying to be the smarty pants here, but yeah, that's what I knew. I knew that that interaction. You, you get just, the gold star for the uh, day, then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's something that it didn't matter. No, it before. didn't matter before. It, but now we have Paul Kelt, and now it it's just one of those things that makes you look at things. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the talking about tracking, it's like whoa. Yes, you can. You can if you play Polkel, You can. You can know exactly what's going to, or you can have a very precise uh, 
uh, idea of what's going to be coming off Pokel. Like anytime you play Pokel, you should be able to track what's coming off in uh, a reasonable idea, depending on how many drops you have of that cost. So it'll go the highest, lowest, their next lowest, next, you know, next highest, next highest, next highest. So depending if you have like a bunch of six drops, you, you, you won't know what six drops will be coming up, but you know that they will be, if you've drawn your seven drop and you play tracking and you have three, six drops, well, there you go. You know exactly what's coming up. So yes, you can pay more attention to what tracking does. It, it It's more meaningful this time around. You know, I learned something new. That's that's fantastic. So the fi- final reason that I would say that aggro decks take skill two is finding lethal or two turn lethal can be extremely challenging. And it, and it's it, it's not as much just like thinking about the board state and just adding up the numbers on there and then you know boom 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 that that sometimes yes i miss those but like this even just kind of the the nebulous of finding the two turn lethal how much damage do i have in hand how much damage am i capable of having in hand and figuring out the best way of of when do you play kill command uh you know how do i make sure that i get the max damage for kill command uh whilst you know thinking about the mana usage and things like that uh to make sure that i can get lethal either either this turn or next turn and so things like that um it it's interesting with like pull kelt uh in the face hunter deck it now that that makes it a lot easier to find that damage because when you play pull kelt uh a lot of the damage cards end up being the next cards you're going to draw because they're the most expensive cards in your deck the uh, the iron the eagle horn bows the the dragon bane the the kill commands those sorts of things so you know knowing also though like thinking of your outs and things like that what what damage are you capable of finding what where you know if i if i voracious reader what can I, you know if i set my board state up to get voracious reader how do i how do i get lethal damage next turn that sort of thing and so uh, and, and also potentially not dying in the process while you're doing all this as well. So the, that, that to me, uh, outside of trading, I think a lot of times finding that two-turn lethal can be the one of the most challenging things as well. Yes, there can be games where you just steamroll your opponent, everything works out, and you just sort of just do the thing and, and you win the game. But, but fi- maximizing your damage and setting it up so that, you know, as you're getting hit in the face back, uh, you know what are you doing to potentially set up that tooth turn lethal and, and ending the game with you getting the win versus you taking the loss can be can be really challenging. Yeah, I think you kind of mentioned with kill command, uh, but also other cards like uh, the glaivebound adept or even things like the hunter hero power. Looking at things that go over the top of taunts or that can just be directed at the face uh, can really help with setting up especially like a two turn lethal so sometimes playing out minions or getting on board with the intent that next turn I can set up to just go over the top 
uh, will actually help you get there in the long run. Um, and there was one more that I thought of, and now I can't remember. I'll come back to it if I remember. <laughs> that That's a great example. When you talk about right now the kind of the aggro uh, or tempo sort of demon hunter has the lapidary and has the uh, has the glaivebound adept. And if you think about playing against something like a mage that has the ability to play something like ice block, being you know playing the lapidary when you have a weapon because you know your opponent doesn't have ice block first, so that you can then play a uh, glaivebound adept to hit your opponent in the face the following turn. Uh, if they do play a secret, it allows you to play around the ice block and things like that. So thinking about how how best to utilize the resources you have and thinking about what your opponent might be able to do to counteract that and that sort of thing. And so, you know, setting up a board state so that if they try and play a board clear, there's still going to be minions on the board or something like that. Those sorts of things are, are making sure you have a weapon so that your South Sea deckhand can still charge the turn you play it that sort of thing those, those are all things that you have to think about when trying to set up those lethal turns you mean ice barrier you keep ice saying barrier, ice block yes. <laughs> I, I was like in standard i hope they're barrier, not playing ice barrier, block barrier 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 yes man that would if, be busted if i could <laughs> no 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 it's just the eight irritatable. armor the eight armor secret the, yes the no eight name. armor <laughs> secret yes that's what i was thinking of it just feels like a block when you're playing it as an aggro deck sometimes. Yes. Yeah, it can act like that. So, yeah, I I, I get the confusion. But, yes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things, too. Like, uh, when you guys were talking about that, I thought of, like, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll swing with Demon Hunter and then equip a weapon. So, you have, like... Two charges that, like, if you if you're looking at two glaive bound adepts and you set up, you know, you want to set up your weapon, you swing first, or you don't swing on that turn that you set up the weapon. I'm thinking back to the past meta, but like now you could just equip the uh, the marrow slicer on four, not swing, and then go swing glaive bound lapidary or whatever on the next turn to 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 do like a lot of damage. So. There's there's a lot to be considered, and there's a lot of like burst damage from different things. So it's a lot of like knowing what your what the range of your deck is, so you can set up those lethals. Being like, I, well, realistically, I can expect to do on average bleh amount of damage, especially if I draw the things that I need. So, um. And, you know, with Voracious Reader, that's a very good tool to, to to draw some extra stuff that'll push you over the line. So having that insight to know what your outs are, and I mean, that's with any deck, but it's specifically very important with, um, with aggressive decks because you don't have the time to kind of build a plan as you go and like, well, I'm going to wait and see what they do, and that's how I'm going to react. It's... You're the one driving the tempo. You're the one who has to have the the plan. They just have to react, essentially. And, you know, that's not that's not exactly the the worst thing in the world, and that's kind of what you're trying to do. You're trying to put them on the back foot so they react poorly and you can go over the top. 
and again, knowing that damage, kind of like Mage talked about earlier, that can also impact when you want to trade, when you want to hit face, and then also when you're looking at setting up lethal or setting up a two-turn lethal. Now, if you feel like you're getting close to having a lethal, or you think maybe I can draw into some damage next turn, that's also a point when looking at, do I actually want to be trading this turn? Do I need to get that damage face to set up for lethal next turn? Or can I afford that trade? Again, thinking, is this a minion that I even care about trading into? But all of those combined it is kind of what is going to help close out the game, especially. Very All right. Very Do we have any else? Do we have any other thoughts or you? Uh, no, my, I, uh, the, the, the prosecution rests or the defense rests. This is Agrodex takes skill. Those are five reasons we believe that it does take some skill. I think I would challenge anyone that says that they, uh, that, that aggro decks are are simple, easy to to play some games with some of the decks that are currently uh, more aggro in in style right now, and, and just see how it goes because I, I I don't think you're giving the people that are playing those decks enough credit. And aggro mirror matches are extremely difficult. That's yes, that's they my are. Last yes. point. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely true because. There you do have to think a little bit more about about board control and that and that sort of thing and and how much damage you use because the opponent has the ability of doing the same kind of thing to you that you can do to them and so you have to straddle this line of keeping them from doing what they're doing while also trying to do what you're trying to do at the same time so Okay, well, that does it for the main topic, and that end segment, Mage, makes me want to play Phoenix right now, because we're talking about <laughs> video games and lawyers, so that's where my brain goes. <laughs> um, you want to hit us with this week's poll question? Okay, so this week's poll question, we talked about aggro decks. I, we want to know, do you enjoy playing aggro decks? Seems pretty straightforward. It's a yes-no answer. I hope that you do just because, but, uh, you know, let us know what you think. It's, it's anonymous. You don't have to tell us what you, how you voted. And, uh, I hope we get lots of responses. I hope there's a, a fair number of yeses. I'm trying to stuff the ballot box prematurely and we will talk about the results on next week's show. Awesome. Speaking of the show, you can fi- you can email the show at dr3hs at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at dr3hs and go to the top pin tweet to find our Discord. Come hang out. Uh, we just hang out and chat, so come say hi and let us know what you think. And you can find myself on Twitter at DaringAlkaline. Dragon? And you can find me on Twitter at Donnie DK. That's D-A-W-N-I-E-D-K. And Twitch, twitch.tv slash DK. And Mage. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mageadeath. Mage, letter A, death. Not Megadeath. There's lots of people think that sometimes. But Mageadeath. And then Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, you can find me at Twitch at twitch.tv slash Mageadeath. 
Awesome. Hey guys, thanks for thanks for hanging out. And as always, you've been listening to Doctor Three.